Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled, Living Radical Love with Mercy. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Our first scripture lesson this morning comes from Psalm 145. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, you may find it on page 506. Psalm 145, the first nine verses. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed, and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, which was a denarius, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go to the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever's right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out, and he found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat? But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. 
I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is also the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for the ways your word comes to us and speaks to us and challenges us. And we pray that during this time of worship, as it is, as we hear your word sung and we hear it read and now we hear it proclaimed, that your Holy Spirit would silence anything in us except for your voice. And that our hearts and our minds and our lives would be opened to be transformed by the amazing grace that you offer to us this and every day. In Christ's name, amen. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man sowing a good seed in his field, a mustard seed growing wild, yeast in a dough, a treasure in a field, a merchant looking for pearls, a woman looking for a lost coin, a net let down into a lake of fish, a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants, a king who wants to have a banquet, wedding banquet for his son, and a landowner in need of laborers, just to name a few. Clearly, the king of, kingdom of heaven is so radically different than what the first century followers expected or understood that it could not easily be described. As such, Jesus takes to using a myriad of metaphors and parables to try to reveal to his disciples then and to us now the kingdom of heaven. And as is the case in most of Jesus' teachings and parables, there are usually multiple layers of understanding to be gleaned, and some are more obvious than others, and this story is no different. One of the challenges to understanding parables that came 2,000 years ago is that the context of the story doesn't necessarily translate into the 21st century very easily. So we usually can't receive it at face value. So unless Jesus follows up the parable with, here, this is what I meant by this, which is rarely the case, we, we must make meaning of it together in our context. Also acknowledging that we bring our own learnings and understandings and experiences to the hearing and the interpretation of each layer. Now, I think that most people would agree that this literal interpretation of the landowner's actions toward the workers is difficult to fathom. Is Jesus really saying that living a kingdom life means that everyone should be paid equally for their labor regardless of how long they labored? I mean, we understand the idea of justice, of equal pay for equal work, and pay equity that is not conditioned on age, race, or gender. We get that, right? But there's something that seems almost fundamentally unjust for those who worked for hours to be paid the same as those who only arrived at the end of the day. 
Yet that is what Jesus said happened in this vineyard. And it's what he says the kingdom of God is like. So I wonder, though, what, is, what if Jesus is not actually referring to equal pay at all? What if instead his point might be about equal opportunity? Could it be that at least one aspect of fairness in the kingdom of heaven is similar to the way Dr. Richard Lavoie describes fairness in education? Dr. Lavoie says, when it comes to education, fair does not mean equal, at least not in the traditional sense of the word equal. Fair means giving each child what he or she needs in order to be on an equal playing field when it comes to opportunity to learn and succeed. And I believe that Jesus is saying there's a similar definition of fairness in the kingdom of heaven. It's not about having more pay for more work or less pay for less work. It's not about pay at all. Instead, living in the realm of God is in part about creating a level playing field of opportunity for folks. It's about people having what's needed in order to have a fair chance, a fair chance at being accepted, a fair chance to provide for one's own self and their loved ones, a fair chance at life. Kingdom fair, fairness is really the answer to the prayer we pray every week, at least one answer to the prayer we pray every week in worship. Give us this day our daily bread. Our, us, not just me, not just you, but us, every one of us. That's what we pray for. And kingdom living is about everyone having their daily bread, regardless of their race or their ethnicity or their gender or their social status or their sexual orientation or their level of education. When we understand the context and the dynamics of the first century landowners, there is an undeniable aspect of this story about God's generous provision of daily bread for the vineyard workers from first to last and last to first. You see, these workers are not the same as slaves. They were very poor men who were not under the care and protection of a master. They were basically living day to day trying to earn food. Every day they would bring their tools to this central gathering area where the overseers and the managers of the larger farms and vineyards would come in to hire the workers for the day. And on any given day, to not get hired meant that one's family would not eat that night. This explains why even at the 11th hour, there were workers standing around available. They weren't lazy and unwilling to work earlier, and they weren't just twiddling their thumbs and standing around. They wanted to work. And we don't know the backstory. We don't know why they weren't chosen. Jesus doesn't tell us, and neither does Matthew. 
We just know that even at five o'clock in the afternoon, these men were still waiting and hoping for a chance to work, even if for a tiny bit of pay. And folks, a denarius is a very little bit of pay. It was just barely what they would need to purchase some basic food for their family members to survive. That daily wage was truly their daily bread. And in this vineyard, with this landowner, they all got it, first to last, and last to first, equally. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. This radical, merciful generosity toward all. The landowner didn't make it equal for the sake of equality. He made it just for those who were facing the injustice of no work opportunity. So by choosing them for labor and paying them a fair wage, he took away one of the barriers to their survival. And this is what justice is in God's realm. It's more than making things equal. It's removing barriers to opportunities. There's a great illustration of this out on various social media platforms. It's done in cartoon form, and maybe you've seen it. Um, three children are trying to watch a baseball game, but there's a fence in the way, so they can't see the game. That's the first frame. Second frame, someone has put three equal-sized boxes next to the fence, but the size is such that only the tallest kid can see over the fence. That frame is labeled equality. Everyone got the same. In the next frame, someone has provided three boxes of different heights so that all the kids are leveled up to the same height and they can see over the fence, and that frame is labeled equity. In the fourth frame, the fence has been removed. And all the kids can see the game just as they are. And it's labeled justice. Now, there are some versions out there where there's one more frame in which all the kids are playing baseball on the field. And that one is labeled inclusion. It's yet another aspect of the kingdom of God that's revealed in this story. Radical inclusion and welcome. It's another layer, if you will, for us to discover. So remember that this parable was initially told to Jesus' disciples, his first followers, those who came to the vineyard of Christ's ministry at the first hour. Jesus seems to want to be sure that they understand this very important truth about the kingdom. God calls whomever God wants to call whenever God wants to call them. In other words, he's saying to the disciples, those of you who are with me now in the first hour, 
you're definitely going to have more work to do than those who come later. However, the love that God has for you in this first hour is no more or less powerful than the love that God will have for the others in the last hour. Now, it also may have been a lesson for the disciple, the Jewish followers of Jesus, that there would come a time, as unfathomable as it may have seemed at that moment, when the Gentiles would also come into the church and God would welcome and grace them just as he had the Jews. In fact, it's a message for every generation of the church, including the current one. God's radical love and mercy welcomes and graces all. Even when, and especially if, we the church do not. You see, the relationship between the landowner and those who came at dawn and those who were hired at the end of the day was, is, and always will be the same. Ultimately, this parable reveals what it's like to live out the radical love of God. It describes this, what Jesus calls this, this upside-down, lastest-first way of living. It's a way of life where God's gift of grace is not a gift to be earned, but one to just be received. One where forgiveness is not a sign of weakness. Where the meek inherit the earth, where the peacemakers are blessed, where expectations are reversed and hierarchies leveled. This is a story about the kingdom Jesus himself initiated on earth and the very kingdom that we are called to bring about on earth as it is in heaven. And yes, it is a kingdom that flies in the face of most of what we know and live in the world today. The last shall be first. Really? Really? What about hard work and dedication? What about getting an education and having drive and success? What about deserving and undeserving? Is God's kingdom really a fair one? No, it is not fair by the world's definition, not by our human nature definition. In fact, often it doesn't even really fit the church's definition of fair. But then again, how could it? Because the church is just made up of humans living in this world. Folks, we're all guilty. We're all guilty even in the little things. So whether it's our competitive spirit or our worldly sense of justice and accountability or this prevailing scarcity mindset that just pervades our world and our lives, that there's not enough. Or maybe it's a desire to be the privileged, the first ones there, the best ones there. And it could possibly be just pure envy. But we really don't like it when someone gets something that we don't think they deserve. In the case of the first workers, it was never 
ever a question of whether they had been cheated. They received exactly what they were promised. They just didn't like the fact that others got it as well. Unfortunately, sometimes we're stingy that way with God's grace. It doesn't seem quite fair that God will freely and unconditionally extend grace to just about anyone and everyone. I mean, sure, we want God to forgive us, but if we're honest with ourselves, there's probably a segment of society that we judge as undeserving of Christ. Maybe we're not that harsh. Maybe we just believe at a minimum they owe some due. They need to change something about their life or about themselves to really be in a relationship with Christ. We judge that. And that one little judgmental thought, no matter how brief it occupies our head, makes us just as undeserving ourselves. Interestingly enough, according to the story, the fact that the workers were paid the same denarius as the last ones were paid the same as the first, that's not why the first workers were upset. They were disturbed that the vineyard owner had, and these are their words, made them equal to us. That's what they were upset about. You have made them equal to us. We've borne the heat of the day and the, the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Surely we are more deserving than they. <laughs> Yet this parable says, surely not. Not when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. Folks, thanks be to God, receiving God's grace is not about the amount of work one performs to earn it or who deserves it more. It's about the generosity of God who freely gives it. It's about God's compassion toward all who will accept it as well as those who will not. It's about a God who, as verse 15 implies, insists on doing what God chooses with what belongs to God and only God. It is as a retired Episcopal priest named Charlotte Cleghorn wrote, this parable is essentially about the generosity of God. It's not about equity or proper distribution of wages, but about a gracious and undeserved gift. It's not about an economic exchange, but rather about bestowing grace and mercy to all, no matter what time they've put in or how deserving we may think them to be. In God's realm, indeed, fair may not mean equal experiences, but it definitely means all are equal. All are equally in need of God's grace. All are equally loved and all are equally forgiven. Praise God for this good news. Especially since we, each and every one of us, are the ones in need. Some of us are like those first laborers, still trying hard, so hard to be the best, most perfect and hardworking laborer in the vineyard because then God will love us more than all the rest. 
or we live by the world's definition of fair, that we're, and we're not pleased when other people experience God's love and mercy differently than we do. And then still there are those who are probably more like the 11th hour workers than we even know or care to admit. We so desperately need God's amazing, all-sufficient, unmerited mercy and love. Yet we've not yet been able to embrace it. Or maybe we're just hungry for our daily bread and we aren't sure where to find it. Regardless of where we see ourselves in this parable, and we should see ourselves in this parable somewhere, one thing is for sure. Despite all of our successes or failures, our inadequacies or prideful notions, or our envy of others, through Christ, we have been granted a place in the kingdom. We are God's people. And in this vineyard story, Jesus casts a new vision for God's people. Life with Christ is to be lived differently than life before Christ. We are called to be living out the kingdom of heaven here and now, not waiting on it to arrive at some future date and time. There's a reason why we pray every week, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As fellow laborers in Christ, we're called to live by the kingdom definition of fair and equal, not the world's. We are called to speak out against divisions between rich and poor, to eliminate levels of superior and inferior, to ensure that our daily bread means all our daily bread. We're expected to both welcome and include, and yes, there is a difference in those two words, all who seek to follow Jesus. We're called to learn backstories for each other and mercifully meet the needs of others in the same way that God has mercifully met ours. As ones called by God, we are to rejoice in the creation of a new thing through Christ. New life in us, new life in the lives of others, and new life in this world. As the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians, we are to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Friends, that means that we are to receive the radical, reckless, outrageous love of God and then live it out by persistently seeking reconciliation with others the way that God has given it to us through Christ by offering forgiveness from the heart in the same way that Christ has offered us forgiveness with his life, and by extending an abundance of mercy and generous welcome to all, because we have all been welcomed. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, church, may it be so. 
You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons, and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Sunday with Tab.